Welcome to episode 129 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, Fortify, the pre-trail nutrition episode. The time to build a solid nutritional foundation is now. We'll share how we got back on track and improved our off-trail nutrition. Then we're mashing up the top five list and the Summit Gear Review to share five ways to get good food into your mouth without spilling too much on your hiking pants. And we'll share a free resource that will inspire you to take the next step in your nutritional health. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Well, I've been wanting to talk about nutrition and specifically pre-trail nutrition for a while. And one of the reasons is because it's something that I feel like our family does really well at. For a while, and then we kind of slip back into our standard American diet habits. And this last Christmas break, when all the kids were home from school, I really struggled with just basic nutrition. And I think around the holidays, especially, you have special events that you go to, you have special desserts that you like to make at the holidays, you even have traditions that are centered around junk food. I mean, think of the classic gingerbread house. I bought all the trimmings. I basically went to the Home Depot of gingerbread houses (laughs) and (laughs) bought everything that our kids would need in order to have a fully functioning, happy gingerbread house. And after that, I knew something had to change again in our family. And I feel like this winter, more than other winters in the past, we really went off the trails (laughs) Off the trails. (laughs) That works too. That too. We really went off the rails nutritionally. And it does take a while to get back. You know, usually summertime helps. You just feel more abundant and everything is green and fresh and the farmer's markets are open and the little roadside stands have fresh vegetables. You just feel more healthy in the summertime. And winter can be a challenge, but We decided to attack it this winter, and we've really focused over the last four months on nutrition and getting our family back on track. And this wasn't by accident. I was contacted by Julia from Trailside Kitchen, and she asked if I'd like to join one of her four-week group sessions for Trailside Kitchen. Trailside Kitchen is an online class and supplemented with some reading and recipes and then a Facebook support group. And she teaches you how to prepare your body for trail time. It's pre-trail nutrition. And so there are really basic things that you learn about mixing carbs, proteins, fats, and using whole foods in your diet. I remember the first few days that you started into that four-week class. I think Julia provided some recipes. Um, Were these uh, fairly specific or, or kind of a guidance thing like try incorporating these ingredients into your dinner? Or was it more like, here's a list of ingredients to make this recipe for dinner? 
It was actually a little bit of both. She started everyone off with a really specific meal plan, like where it had recipes and, you know, on Tuesday you eat this and Thursday you eat this. So some people need that really intense structure. I am more of a uh, free thinker in the kitchen. <laughs> and so I was looking for more of building blocks. And she provided that as well. So it's a very comprehensive program. No matter where you are nutritionally, you're going to gain a lot from Trailside Kitchen. And even if you're not preparing for a through hike or something, still what I gained from Trailside Kitchen is just solid nutritional information. You don't have to be planning to do some epic feat. It's just basic nutrition principles that she tweaks somewhat depending on what type of activity you're doing. I noticed some things that were different about that first dinner after you started the program. Like you said, we had kind of gone off the rails. We'd really <laughs> slipped a lot when it came to our family's nutrition. And I think it showed in some of our meals where they were just sort of a basic, like a pile of carbs, I guess you could say. Yeah, even the vegetables were carbs. It was pitiful. Even the vegetables were carbs. <laughs> Everything's carbs. That first meal that you did after starting the Trailside Kitchen program, I noticed the variety in the meal. I don't remember every ingredient that you had on the table. I think you had yams. Um, I think you had a lot of vegetables, maybe a salad that you'd made. Um, anyway, I just remember a really different mix of carbs, protein, and fats than what we'd had on the table over the few months before that night. Yeah, I remember we had a really great salad, like it was a super salad kind of thing where I added just everything I could pull from the vegetable aisle of the grocery store. And I incorporated a lot more fat into that meal than I had in the past because I wanted it to be a well-rounded dinner. And fat is one of those things that is an important component. It's a macronutrient and provides that full feeling. And fat also brings fat-soluble vitamins to your body that, exactly. it, you know, in a way that your body can um, access them. Well, I remember you taking a picture of it so you could post it on the Facebook group. Yes. And then you were looking through and you were seeing everyone else's posts of, uh, of what they were eating yes. for dinner. Okay, that was one of the most motivating things about doing the Trailside Kitchen program was that in this group, people were posting what they were eating. It was just such an inspiring Facebook group. And one of the fun things about it was that it was real food. It wasn't staged food. You know, like sometimes you go to these food blogs and the maple syrup is dripping off the pancakes just perfectly. But this was real food. And you saw a lot of repetition because people were eating leftovers the next morning for breakfast or, you know, they had made this big pot of soup and so they had it for a few days. So it was real food and I loved that aspect of Trailside Kitchen. Which brings up something I think is important. It's not in your show notes for this uh, <laughs> episode, but the two of us have been talking about this lately. It's the importance of our social structure and how much that impacts our nutritional decisions. And I think we noticed it because uh, I had a couple of work-related trips that I took in the past couple months. And since we had been changing the way that we ate as a family, we had surrounded ourselves, you know, the six of us were surrounded by each other. And when we opened the refrigerator, we saw healthy choices. Pick any choice out of the refrigerator, it's healthy. And we had lots of options on the table pick any dish on the table, it's healthy. And so we had created this new structure for ourselves as a family. 
Well, then I took a business trip to New Orleans and I had to look really hard for a salad. And I paid $20 for that salad <laughs> to eat at lunch. My surroundings were not set up to feed me in a nutritional way or to help me make nutritional decisions. And I remember another work-related trip that I took where I would just go to the cafeteria with, uh, with my client that I was working with. And again, if you go to that cafeteria every day, there are healthy options and there are less healthy options available, but you get into a routine. And your routine is influenced by what the other people around you are ordering for lunch. And so at least the nice thing there was the salad bar right in the middle. I could go straight to the salad bar and get this big heaping salad that was just made me feel great. But that wasn't what everyone was getting because they established these habits. And then we had someone come to that cafeteria just for a lunch meeting who, who came from somewhere else. And uh, so I showed him the cafeteria and said, here's the options. I'm going to grab a salad. He was like, well, me too. You know, and so he followed that social cue that I gave him because he, he hadn't been eating every day in that cafeteria. He wasn't following maybe what everyone else was doing. He was just following what I did because I was the one that brought him there. Yeah, environment plays such a huge factor in our diet. Right after participating in Trailside Kitchen, a friend taught a nutrition class at a local hospital and we showed up. And the awesome thing about this class is that the teacher had studies to back up all of these nutritional claims. And throughout the two classes that we attended, I mean, it, it almost got to be kind of funny because he would say the same things over and over, like fruits and vegetables decrease your risk of diabetes, heart attacks, you know, he yeah, had this fill in the blank. <laughs> long list. And then, um, you know, things like soda, chips, you know, alcohol, these things increase your risk of all of those same things. So I guess, you know, when, when we had a why, when we had a reason to be healthy, that's when it really clicked for our whole family. And that's actually when our environment changed in our kitchen. And I made two changes in our kitchen that helped support our family's nutritional health. The first thing was I moved the white flour and the white sugar out of our kitchen and put it back in the back of the pantry. And then I moved oats and whole wheat flour into their place. And then the other thing that I did was I gave our refrigerator a makeover inside and made sure that healthy food was visible and accessible and beautiful. I like the way we redid our refrigerator. Everything just looks so happy, healthy, and ready to eat. So those are the changes that we made. And I guess along with those changes, you have to believe that healthy food really does make a difference in your overall health. Right. So it's knowledge and it's surroundings. Right. And you can control or at least influence both of those. A couple of weeks after that nutrition class at the hospital, a university nearby had a health and wellness week. And they put on a class that we took the family to, also about nutrition, saying many of the same things. And around the perimeter of the classroom, they had um, student groups from the university providing samples of uh, foods that they had made. And it's just, it's that combination of increasing your knowledge, knowing why, you know, why fruits and vegetables are so important, um, what they do for your body, and then also changing your surroundings to where you change your sense of what's normal. So you, you realize that the standard American diet, while it is ubiquitous, it's not healthy, 
And so if you can think of that as less normal <laughs> and surround yourself with a better diet and think of that as normal, that's your new normal, then you can really make a difference in how you eat and you can sustain that difference for a long time. And this is one of those things that I've really struggled with with backpacking is, you know, if you want to be able to get out and backpack and be active, then it makes sense to have a healthy diet. Yet when you're on the trail, there's some incongruent behavior. You're eating more processed food. It's higher in salt, higher in sugar, like all of those things that you really try hard to avoid when you're at home, things that you know you should avoid. So I guess the question that I'm still struggling with that I want to understand is what if I want to eat in a way that's congruent with how I eat at home? Is there a way to healthify my trip? Is there a way to incorporate more whole foods on a backpacking trip? How do you make that happen? And so I'm still looking for answers. I know there's freeze-dried vegetables out there, and so I think I'll probably incorporate more of those. Um, I'll probably do some more uh, homemade stuff, some more dehydrating. It's going to take more work, but I think the payoff will be uh, what I want. When you put together the Trail Fuel cookbook, your main focus was on coming up with recipes that were super easy to prepare. And frankly, we're more tasty and way cheaper than a freeze-dried meal. And when it comes down to it, I think most, if not all, of the recipes that you put into the Trail Fuel book are nutritionally better than many of the freeze-dried meals. There may be a few exceptions, like the ones that use top ramen noodles. <laughs> <laughs> and even in Trail Fuel, there's some great options like the, the pea soup recipe. Well, those are a great nutrition source. So Trail Fuel was made to be quick and easy first and foremost. So what's next? What is next? You know, in my mind, I've been pre-experimenting with recipes in my head, like things like maybe eggplant tortillas, or wow. <laughs> I don't know, I'm, I'm getting kind of crazy in my head. But, you know, I'm trying to think of how can I take whole foods and bring them on the trail and use them in a way that's going to be nourishing and still provide the calories, the easy access to energy that my body needs, and that satisfying, you know, the flavor, the texture, all those things that we want in food. And we've been having some fun experiences uh, experimenting. I mean, we both really enjoyed the, uh, the coconut curry that we did on our spring break trip. That was quite good. Was <laughs> You've been experimenting with uh, some homemade crackers that are yeah. just full of different grains. Those are a winner. <laughs> I, yeah. I, so I think we're finding some winners. So yes. um, are these going to come together into a cookbook? That's my hope. I mean, Trail Fuel, I think, is just a solid backpacking food primer. But I think our next one is going to be the next level. Like if you're ready to try something weird like eggplant tacos, <laughs> then I'm here for you. I want to start creating recipes that that will satisfy kind of the, the people who are ready for the next step in nutrition, however weird and unconventional it might be. Meals that might be, the ingredients might be a little more um, specialty, yeah. might be a little more expensive. I, I think they'll still cost less than a freeze-dried meal. Yeah. And Prep time at home is probably going to be increased. Right. And maybe even prep time on the trail might be a little higher. 
And all of that for the reward of having a, just a super nutritious, satisfying meal. Yeah. Might be worth it. I, I think, think it is. I think so. For today's top five list, we're mashing it up with the Summit Gear Review, and we're going to share five different ways that you can eat your food, your healthy food, right? Yes, on the trail. On the trail. Yeah, you, you could do this at home, too. You could. You could. You could. <laughs> Most of us just use stainless steel silverware. But there are so many other options when you go backpacking. You want something that's lightweight, portable, easy to use, and that can get your food from point A to point B. So we'll be covering eating utensils in this segment of the show today. The number one way to eat your food on the trail is with plasticware. There's lots of good plastic options. There's the Light My Fire Spork. Uh, they come both in plastic and titanium. Uh, Human Gear makes some great utensils. They have the Uno. They also have the Duo, which is a separate spoon and fork, and then they sort of uh, clip together with each other, Just I guess just for storage and, and keeping them handy in your pack. And when you think plasticware, you know, at first you're thinking those white plastic forks and spoons and knives that you buy, you know, that are super cheap that you see at uh, like potlucks. And those are usable. We have brought just those cheap plasticware things on backpacking trips. And they do the job. Unless they get stepped on. Right. Or a little too hot and, you know, and start to melt. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got their limits. But uh, the plasticware that's really made for backpacking is good, durable stuff. It's really strong, uh, not really prone to breakage, um, a little more heat tolerant, uh, larger, longer handles, you know, a lot more comfortable to use. And plasticware is typically cheaper and more lightweight. So if that's what you're going for, then plastic is a great option. The second way to eat your food kind of reminds me of, um, you know, those people who saw off the handle of their toothbrush in yeah. order to just save, save a little a weight. Little bit of weight. So CRKT or Columbia River Knife and Tool, they have. Oh. Wait, you didn't know what it stood for? No, I just oh. thought you could pronounce it as cricket, I guess. Oh. But uh... yeah, isn't that awesome? Yeah. All right. Yes. <laughs> anyway, what do they have? They have two things that are really cool. One is called the Eaton Tool, E A T N tool and the other one is called the iota and they both look like spoons or sporks that have the handle taken off you can just attach these onto the outside of your pack or onto a belt loop they're ultra lightweight and the eaten tool actually has other functions besides eating eaten, eaten. <laughs> exactly uh, it has a bottle opener a carabiner an emergency screwdriver and three hex wrenches Wow. So you can fix your stove and eat your dinner and all of that with, with one tool. Repair your car. I mean, right. <laughs> the options are limitless. Uh, the Cricut Iota or CRKT, I don't know how they prefer to be pronounced, but uh, the Iota has a spork, a bottle opener, a quarter inch wrench, and a whatever opener on it. So okay. like, if you happen to need something that needs to be opened, it will open it. You know how some of those... So a sharp edge that yeah. rips into things? A sharp edge, but not too sharp. Right, because you're going to put it in your mouth later. Right, and you could take it on an airplane or something, so it can't be that sharp. 
So both of these tools are great to have. They'll fit in your 10 essentials. And if you do bring another spoon, these are an awesome backup. Or if you just are going to be eating off a plate and you just want like a little spoon, these are great. Not recommended for um, digging deep into those bags of freeze-dried meals. This is better for plate dining. Yeah, if you were to use these to stir your freeze-dried meal, you would stir about the top inch, right? Right, yeah. They do have another option if you wanted something with a little bit longer handle. It's the Columbia River Knife and Tool Extra Large Eaten Tool. So it has a little bit more of a handle if you wanted to be able to actually stir your food or not get dinner on your hand while you're eating. Our third way to eat food is one of my personal favorites, chopsticks. I love them because they're so simple and straightforward. You could bring them in your backpack or... If you forgot your eating utensils entirely, like half of our kids did on our (laughs) spring break trip, all you need to do is find a couple sticks. But you can get fancy. You can go with bamboo, plastic. You've probably seen those ones all over the place. How about titanium chopsticks? I love what GSI has done with their chopsticks. They have something called the titanium kung foon. And it's a spoon, but the handle of the spoon is a set of chopsticks. Isn't that brilliant? So you can take the spoon piece off and then you've got two chopsticks. Right. Cool. So you could just use the chopsticks as the handle of the spoon or you could take off the spoon and just use the chopsticks. I love it. That that is so cool. Snowpeak also makes a beautiful set of chopsticks. Grand Trunk is another company that has a nice set as well. The great thing about chopsticks is that they're so lightweight, they're so versatile, and If you choose to go with bamboo chopsticks, you know, just like the free ones that you get at Chinese takeout, they are 100% reusable. Don't think of them as disposable. And they're 100% compostable as well. So it's a win-win. Free, reusable, and compostable. I love it. So just stop at your favorite Chinese restaurant on the way to your next backpacking trip and you're set. I just realized that my thumb and my forefinger make chopsticks. chopsticks. Yeah, nature's chopsticks. You can always just pick up your food (laughs) with your hand. Right. They're not particularly heat resistant. Ah, that's right. But they do work in a pinch. (laughs) All right, what's number four? The number four way to get food from point A to point B is with a long-handled titanium spoon. And this is my personal favorite option. It's just a long-handled spoon, and it's slightly flat at the bottom. At least that's the model that I have. So you can stir your meal or kind of scrape the burned bits off the bottom of your pot. And it's just a really convenient length. What brand is your long-handled spoon? I have the Tokes brand. And usually these long-handled titanium spoons are about $10 which is a great price point if you just want a new piece of gear, but you're not ready to invest a couple hundred in a big piece of gear. You just want something kind of, you know, new and different to take on your next trip. These spoons are great because they won't melt. They're super lightweight. They're really strong and they have a little hole in the top so you can just attach it onto the outside of your pack. A lot of companies sell these There's also a version that's a long-handled titanium spork. So it comes in different varieties. Some are straight and some have a little tilt to them. Some are really shiny titanium. Others are more matte finish. They all should be around the $10 price point. And the number five way to eat your food 
is by using food. You just scoop up your food with your eating utensil, and the utensil itself is edible and goes into your mouth with the food. Fritos scoops are among my favorite form of um, edible spoons. Oh, I like that. I was imagining you maybe getting a carrot and carving it into the shape of a spoon, and then you could use that. I guess you could. That is a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, unless your meal is hot and it starts cooking your carrot. It gets limp. (laughs) Not a good idea. Carrots are kind of heavy, too, compared to the number of calories they provide. So So what else would work besides the the Frito scoops? Uh, Triscuits are another favorite of both of us. They're really sturdy, flavorful, nutritious, and do a great job of scooping up stuff. 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 (laughs) Another thing that works really well that's a sturdy, edible utensil is bagel chips. Did you know that you can make your own bagel chips? I've never tried. Okay. Let me teach you how. You get one of those big, non-pre-sliced bagels. Then you just take a serrated knife and you start cutting it, I guess, vertically. Yeah, you so can, you're getting a bunch of circles. You can cut it however you want, actually. I mean, just what you're trying to do is cut it into thin strips so that when you put it in the oven at a low temperature, it'll dry out and crisp up, basically be like dense, stale bread. So then you can use that to scoop up your food. Uh, we also like tortilla chips, pita chips, or the actual pitas and the actual tortillas. We use those a lot. Yeah, so you may not even need a spoon, a spork, a fork, or chopsticks on the trail. You can just eat food with food. In fact, in your trail fuel cookbook, two of the breakfasts and two of the dinners and all 10 of the trail food recipes, which are you know what you eat during the day, during your lunchtime and everything, and all five of the desserts are recipes where you don't need any utensils to eat the food. That's especially important for the the trail food, the stuff you're eating while you're hiking. You don't want to stop and have to bring out your utensils to mix up and prepare and then eat a meal in the middle of the day. So those are great options. And if you do end up on the trail without a utensil, let creativity kick in and you'll find a unique way of eating your food that probably isn't even on our list. For today's backpack hack of the week, pre-trip nutrition at Trailside Kitchen. It kind of rhymed. That was cool. Kitchen nutrition, do those rhyme? I think so. Okay. Well, this website, we talked about it at the beginning. There are recipes that are specifically designed to support active people. So we are going to direct you to the Trailside Kitchen's website. Julia offers group classes and one-on-one support, but there are also loads of great recipes on there. So that's what we want to direct you to. All of the recipes, in fact, this quote from the website might give you a little bit of an idea of how the recipes can help. She says, is your performance inconsistent? One day you're killing it and the next day not so much. Are you constantly hungry every hour or two? Maybe you want to take your performance to the next level, hit new goals, and feel amazing. And Julia, who is the creator of Trailside Kitchen, she's a certified natural chef who actually wanted to become a world-famous cheesemaker, which would have been awesome because I think the world needs more 
famous cheesemakers. We love cheese. Yes, we do. Um, but instead, she created Trailside Kitchen to help hikers and backpackers and all active people get the most out of what they eat. I checked out the recipes page, and many of the recipes are meant to be eaten at home. They're they're keeping you healthy and getting you healthy to be ready to go on the trail. She also has a category of recipes uh, that you could prepare and take on the trail. Uh, there were a couple that jumped out to me. Uh, the roasted chickpeas recipe. You have shared that same idea uh, just a few episodes ago in episode 116, doing your own roasted chickpeas. Um, she adds just a little bit beyond what you did uh, with suggesting uh, some seasonings that would go well with those chickpeas. I also saw banana pancakes. There's no flour in these pancakes. It's bananas and a couple other ingredients. And I think you make banana pancakes quite often just for the kids uh, before school in the oh, morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I think she does it with almond flour or almond butter, and I use oats. But yeah, it's kind of the same idea, just a really simple whole food way to start your morning. So we'll put the link to Trailside Kitchen in today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com slash 129. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good and hungry friend on the trail, John Muir. He said, my meals were easily made, for they were all alike and simple, only a cupful of tea and bread. Hmm. Poor John. Yeah, that's not my what? cup of tea. No, not my loaf of bread either. I wonder if he had stuff in the bread. You know, like it was some kind of fruitcake or something that had a little more... I hope so. ...stuff. Well, if you're looking for a little more than tea and bread, check out Trail Fuel, the cookbook. We'll put the link in today's show notes as well. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. need a little sound so that other people can know. You know like how oh, right, on Facebook right, like, it says like so and so is typing. So and so is typing a response right now. <laughs> That's what we need just so that the other person knows I have something to say but Someone's if you don't know I have something to say you might jump in and go on to the next topic. That looks like they used kale and they melted some Parmesan cheese on it. And then, you know, they had a side of this. Bleh.